Hello, RP people, and welcome back to part two of Switching Systems on this lovely Thursday. I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one, I recommend listening to that too, because it's a complete continuation of part one. So, hope you guys enjoy. Anyway, anyway, I'll be asking Finder for his go-to's not yeah. D&D, not Savage Worlds Fantasy. Yeah, Finder, what's your go-to, or even just one that interests you? Because I know Savage I'm Worlds awesome. Pathfinder. Savage Worlds Pathfinder. I swear I will mute your mic. <laughs> Scott, you're not wrong. <laughs> so when we're talking fantasy, not D&D, not Savage Worlds, um, the one game that I want to play that builds itself as fantasy is Black Void. I have I've never played it. Um, I'd love to. The artwork is phenomenal. It's a, it's a very evocative setting, so I hope to play it someday. But of the fantasy games that I've played, that's not D and D or Savage Worlds. I'd have to go with. Uh, and this is going to piss a lot of people off. Twyhander. Mm. Oh. Wow! Interesting choice. It's mm. wow. I do. I did not expect that. It, it was a fun game. I mean, we, we yeah. had a lot of fun with it, and it was brutal. And I think within the first uh, one or two games, one of the characters died. And and so, I mean, it's uh, it, it was definitely brutal. And good time. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it has nothing but accolades, you know, a, apart from the other nonsense attached to it whatever but the game itself you know is is held in high regard so yeah yeah interesting well and people will say well that's because it's based off a of warhammer or it's it's oh, yeah. a plagiarism of warhammer and maybe but it, it's not plagiarism enough to get them into copyright uh issues because you can't copyright mechanics so correct that point true. Correct. That's why I'm like, I can make the other game I'm thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't shit you can do. Yeah, no, I I I, I looked at Zweihander. I think I actually got the PDF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I own think, it too. I just haven't touched it. I don't know if I have it or if I just have the free version. I gotta take a look. I don't know. I mean, I read it. I just never played it. So. Yeah, it, it looks good. Again, it's really, you know, you can feel the the you know the Warhammer fantasy feel to it. Yeah, well, the mechanics are so brutal anyway in Warhammer, so that's why it oh, works yeah. out so well. I think in a game like Zweihander. Yeah, no, I I like it to an extent. <laughs> to an extent, uh oh. No, 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 no. I, like I, I think it's like it's good and everything like that. This is um, your L five R. You don't know enough about it. To talk no, about and that's to a, that's kind of it. Like it. It interests me, but I he don't want to talk about Swihander, but he can't. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Okay, fine. It's okay. Nothing special. My oh, opinion. damn. Brutal. Oh. Damn. Damn. Like, the one thing I think I it does do different than the fantasy one, though, like, than Warhammer Fantasy is um, you don't, like, go through with professions, though, in the same way, right? Am I correct on that one? Say that again? Like um, when you look at like with Warhammer Fantasy, you actually have like professions that you go through, which could be anything from like apothecary to grave digger, things like that. And that definitely is not in Zweihander, right? Um, it's been a while since I've played it. Uh, there are related professions because that's kind of how you build your character. Yeah. But I, I don't remember anything like apothecary. That'd be a, to me, that'd be a boring profession to play. So, well, you mean like Warhammer had rat catcher. Come on now. Yeah, they did. Warhammer <laughs> did have Ratcatcher. They yeah. had Gravedigger. They yeah, had. Come on, man. 
They had quite a few different good weird there. ones. Yeah, how else are you going to become a bad, badass fighter? <laughs> a weird necromancer. <laughs> exactly. You need to start somewhere. You yeah. might as well start at digging graves and stealing bodies. Yeah, yeah being creepy. <laughs> nice. So, you, Scott, you said you have one, maybe two of them? Oh, I know I have two. I have at least two. But uh, <laughs> Fantasy Dungeon Crawl Classics. Everyone should oh, play that game. Oh, yeah. I'm, that I'm game is surprised. amazing. Yeah. It is so goddamn good. So what makes it... Uh... It is... What makes it so special? Uh, the funnel, first off, when you make your four nobodies and you grind their asses through a dungeon they shouldn't be in and see who survives to become the actual hero. Yeah. Um, even the tagline of the game is, you know, heroes aren't, you know, heroes aren't born, they're made. Which is like, oh, I can get down with this metal concept. You are correct. No one is born a hero. Uh, and then, um, you know, you get to burn your abilities, your ability scores. You can burn luck, so you can actually reduce your ability scores in order to increase rolls. Uh, like wizards can do it for their spell casting. You can burn luck in order to add to a roll. They have all the traditional fantasy races that are in there. So halflings are they're very special because um, they have luck, and their luck regenerates faster than everyone else's. Um, alignment matters in the game. It uses the old school law, chaos, and uh, uh, neutrality. But that matters, especially if you're a cleric trying to lay on hands for someone uh, or misusing your power. So, and then the spells aren't just like you don't just cast massive missile, ma- <clears throat> excuse me, magic missile, and do you know one d four plus one points of damage or whatever. Sorry, what was that massive, massive magic missile? I know, massive sl- midgel, massive <laughs> midgel. Um, so you you roll your massive midgel. I don't know, maybe it's maybe copyright safety. Um, you roll your magic missile spell, right? But there's a chart. This chart goes to like, say, I don't know, 35 or 40, and you're still rolling a D20, but the higher you roll and the more points you put into it, the better you're doing, the better, the bigger and more awesome the effects are. And like your missile hits Mach 5, splits time, space continuum, blows the enemy apart kind of shit, right? Um, so that's, that's Dungeon Crawl Classics. And then you just, it's very old school. Um, yeah, man, it's such a great, it's such a great version. And it's so similar to, to D&D that you recognize the classes, you recognize the races, you, you recognize the alignments, uh, and then you can really just tear ass into it. It can be very brutal. God, it's a very lethal game. Hmm. So that's, that's definitely a primary one to play. And what's your secondary? Dungeon World. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I still think Dungeon World is a great game to teach you a different set of um mental abilities for the it game. It is. I still consider it just like in the what I referenced before, kind of a breather RPG. Like I can't see it being mm-hmm. something you'd play long term. But yeah, it, it it is a fun system for a, to have like several sessions for, but yeah, no, and I'm not trying to discredit it. Yeah, no, it yeah. is it is actually really kind of neat and interesting. Um my only cons to that one is paladins um and the customization of your characters there isn't like an excessive amount like in fact i would say there's kind of it's a pbta system you are very pigeonholed to archetyping yeah like i was a ranger and i felt like a ranger uh there was but is that bad I don't like rangers. <laughs> well, you shouldn't play a fucking ranger. Hey, we rolled off. We rolled yeah, off. Yeah, that was your all's dumbass decision well, to randomly determine what character class you're going to go. I mean, it's very old school of you, but you guys should have easily just said, you know what? Uh, we probably should go with a fighter, a wizard, and a cleric, and a thief. 
because well, that probably will make the most sense in learning a new system and adventuring in a dungeon. Well, we wanted to do a wizard, a bard, yeah. and uh, what was the last one? A cleric. But you said you're not allowing us to do that. I mean, I, just the bards. I was trying to keep to the base classes. The bards are actually <laughs> pretty cool in Dungeon World. But anyway, yeah, I, I think Dungeon World does have a lot of faults, and I don't know if I could run it long term. No. I mean, you guys humored me, and I got it. I got to get the PBTA bug out of my system. So, oh yeah, and and I'm staring at my Dungeon World book and all the other shit I have for it now, and I'm like, fuck. Yeah, and honestly, I think PBTA is like one that we should bring up as something. Although it's not, you know, it can do a lot of systems, everything like that. Mm-hmm. But if you guys are looking for something that is more heavily onto the narrative, I would look at PBTA games. Like they Absolutely. have some, yeah, they're they're really fun to play you can really go into some really unique like settings that most may not be able to hold like the original one apocalypse world like it's called powered by the apocalypse uh like yeah powered by the apocalypse i was gonna say system (laughs) have that in there but um uh that if you look at it like there's some rules where you're gonna look at it and you're like really i don't really want to do it like they have like it's called sex moves which is probably my only negative part of it all yeah but you can play a bar owner where there's actually one for owning being a businessman or you can even be like pretty much the mayor of the settlement that you guys are in you can be that biker gang that kind of is on the outskirts of the town and you really create the with PBTs, you create the world around it. Like, yeah, it's an apocalypse, but how did we get to the apocalypse? What kind of apocalypse is it? Like, you really build a very interesting world, and it's not just the, it's not just on, you know, the GM. It's on the entire group to figure out how this world works, and it it's a beautiful game for a very creative group of people who want to all have fun. Yeah, I, yeah, PB, yeah. PBTA games are each one is individualized to address uh, a theme. Yeah, and so like, what does it mean to be a survivor of an apocalypse? What does it mean to um, what does it mean to be uh, the surviving member of an order of wardens who are on their march back to their homeland after a major war? Um, you know, I was even working on a Power by the Apocalypse that explores what does it mean to be a survivor uh, of massive combat with uh, PTSD. Every character has an element of that, yeah. um, you know. And so, it's, it's, because the PBTA is designed to spark conversations at the, ta- at the table, mm-hmm. um, which you guys, you know, saw full hand is one little thing sparks those conversations, and that's oh, what yeah. they're, they're designed for. I don't know, Finder thoughts on my 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 pick. Uh, I I I love it. I mean, I, I had fun in Dungeon World. Um, there's two things that I have to say. You guys are prudes. Sex moves is the best part about how about your I can still mute you. <laughs> <laughs> but listening to your discussion, it made me realize there's actually another fantasy game oh. that I liked a lot more than Swyhander. Oh. Yep. And that's Forbidden Lands. I'm surprised you. That was the one I thought you were going to go for. But, you know, I, I, I'm going to claim uh, old age because yeah, it just yeah. completely slipped my mind. When you said fantasy, all I could see was the Swyhander because that's the, the cover for Swyhander is so fantasy. Yeah. Whereas the cover for like Forbidden Lands, it, it doesn't necessarily scream fantasy at me, even though it's definitely a fantasy game. It's like a Ralph Baskey film cover. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> 
but but yeah, I mean, Forbidden Lands is awesome. It's such a, have a lot of people now googling Ralph Baski. I hope. Yeah, I think I pronounced it correctly. Um, the guy who did Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and uh, Wizards and that other one, uh, Ice and Fire or Fire and Ice, what the hell it's called. Yeah. So for Forbidden Lands, I have a question for you about it. But first, did you know? I did not know this until today. They have an OGL. You can actually write for their system. Uh, I knew they did for like uh, Coriolis. Yeah, it, I guess it covers their shit. They don't just don't talk about it, which is the dumbest shit on earth. But whatever. Um, you should extol that kind of thing to the to the winds. Because now I'm curious about like oh, because you talk about I know you love the system. A lot of people seem to love their games, and I'm like okay. So what makes it so? What makes it stand out? So for me, so Forbidden Lands is based on the Mutineer Zero engine. Uh, Mutineer Zero was uh, Free League's first game, I guess, and now. You have all the derivatives, like you've got Forbidden Lands, which is right from Year Zero. You've got Coriolis, you've got Aliens, you've got the One Ring, you got uh, the new release of Twilight 2000. So I don't know that I would consider Mutant Year Zero a universal system, um, but it certainly is able to handle a lot of different genres. But Forbidden Lands, uh, Free League does a great job with their production. Uh, the books evoke a lot of feeling about the system itself or about the world that you're in and forbidden lands is great uh in doing that the artwork supports the the genre just like the artwork in coriolis supports coriolis um it, but it, it's it's got your you got like classes and but each of the classes is customized and um magic is really chaotic i mean if you screw up your magic you can summon a demon uh so anytime you uh fail badly enough you you roll on a on a random chart to see what happens when you flub that spell and and i have ended up summoning demons in the middle of a fight uh when i was trying to heal somebody it's like whoa (laughs) 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 this just got bad (laughs) but i mean they've they've done a really good job of creating this world that's kind of gritty and uh, it, it kind of hails back to the old school D and D, where you can build like your your keep or your castle, and you can start acquiring henchmen. and And um, the idea is, you go out and you explore this world that's been unknown for a while. So you're looking for ruins, and you're dungeon delving, and you're you 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 can bring in politics if you want because we've got all these different factions and. Um, it's just, it's a lot of fun to play. Yeah. That one sounds fun. I've never, I don't know much about, uh, like mutant zero one system in general, but the way I described it, I would say it's a, it does sound like a lot of fun. Um, the game I thought you were going to say though, was uh, tiny dungeons. I, you know, I, I thought of that one as well. <laughs> secondarily, I've never played tiny dungeons. I've only played, uh, tiny, I think it's tiny frontiers, the, the space one. Okay, but but that was a lot of fun. I mean, Tiny Frontiers was a blast, and so I would assume Tiny Dungeons is going to be similar. But uh, yeah, I, I thought about it after that. But yeah, I've never I've never played Tiny Dungeons. Well, it sounds like you're going to run Forbidden Lands for us at some point. Yeah, I, I think you are going to run Forbidden Lands for us. That sounds actually. <laughs> I can like do a lot that, <laughs> yeah. or I can try. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm just curious uh, to check it out and see what you know where the magic is, because uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of people who just love that 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 damn game. Yeah. It's great. 
It's, and I think what, what I really like about it is they actually have a completely random character generator Ooh. if you want to use it. It's it's an optional supplement, but huh. I completely went random and I rolled, you rolled, I rolled like for my class, I rolled for my gender, I rolled for everything. Yeah. And ended up just having a lot of fun with it. That's outstanding. No, I love that kind of shit because yeah. it's like, just you tell me how I was born and I will bring that thing to life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. This whole this whole episode's literally just going to be us talking about the games that we're going to probably end up playing I mean, at basically. some point. <laughs> but it's just what it is, right? Like, wait till we get to the section where we talk about the shit you should stay away from. Oh yeah, oh um, man, yeah. Uh, I'm just I'm waiting so patiently and for was it Mecha and Monsters for the Tiny D Six system. I've never had a Tiny D Six system. I've never looked into them, but yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about them. And I'm just sitting there here waiting because I looked at. You know, it just looks so pretty. All the monsters and the max said, I've actually started looking at Lancer RPG again, and I almost bought the book today. I'm still <laughs> buy it by the end of the day because uh, yeah. I just had the free version. And I'm just like, oh, this one, it, the Lancer RPG system, actually, I think is one that probably should get a little bit more props and does. It's way more of a tactical game. I wouldn't like it has. A narrative part to it but i would say it's almost secondary to the big stompy mechs yeah but the customization and if you're looking for almost like a co-op and i think the people who love atlanta rpg are going to hate me for this but i think if you're looking for like a cooperative war game style with some rpg like mechanics in it you can't get any better like it's it's I mean, very yeah. tactical you have to know your positioning is important. The size of your mech is very important for what you can take cover. Uh, what you're going to do, there's like um, there's like tech attacks. So for like trying to hack the person to screw up their stuff or even cause some damage with their with their core, uh, or just just really badass looking mechs that with like harpoons that they'll throw and different kind of it just I don't know if you guys looked into Lance RPG at all, but it looks like it would be a ton of fun for a group of people who like fighting. Yeah, sure. I mean, I played Battletech before back in the day. So I imagine in my head, you can do the same shit where it's like, yeah, cool. The the most time spent is on the tabletop with, you know, blowing mechs apart and shit. But then there's also the faction elements and there's a the role play that can be done in between drops. Yeah. I would say it's a li- how they actually have uh, for, because you don't buy parts or anything like that. Right what it is is um you get license like every time you complete a mission you actually get licenses so you start off with only the base mech uh which i there it's not like uh it's definitely not a mech warrior type mech it's more of like um the kind of japanese kind of uh gundam style mechs. yeah i would say it's somewhere in between because they're they're some of them can be really kind of like agile but none of them are like that crazy super fast movement type thing it's kind of an Armored core. I would say it's like an armored core mech. That's Fair enough. Um, but like once you complete a mission, you actually get to unlock licenses. So like there, you'll get a license for this mech where you may not get the actual frame of it right off the hop, but you'll get X weapon with, you know, a couple other things. So it comes to really mishmash, like matching up. I have this idea for this one. I want to use this guy's body. I want to use this guy's gun. I want to get a license in that so you can really customize to a high degree your own idea for what it is. And it it does look like a lot of fun. And for any, and you can switch up literally your gear between missions without having any cost because 3D printing for 
in that world has essentially just gone to a massive scale. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like a ton of fun. You guys got any uh, decent tactical games that you can think of? Tactical. I mean, I'll go back to Savage Worlds. Can we <laughs> mute? Mute. I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really play war games or anything like that. So yeah, yeah. nor do I. Well, I find her. We I would say Wrath and Glory with the game that we're in right now is actually a lot more uh, combat orientated with the tabletop and everything. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I I think any game that has combat can be tactical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess I'm going to need to know your definition because you said Five E isn't tactical. <laughs> no, by um, that I mean like it really doesn't matter too much about where you place or anything like that. Oh man, there's a whole rule fire, section but... that disagrees with that. Well, I know, but it's poorly written anyway, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's Wrath and Glory is that's a lot of fun. I'm having a blast with that. I'm, I'm especially having fun playing the Psyker because uh... um, I love screwing up. <laughs> Okay, you, go ahead. In our in our last game, you rolled very well. I am going to give you that. You were rolling really well, <laughs> but you're always getting uh, what is it? Complications. Um, and your complications for most people, it's like, oh no, my gun jammed. For you, it's like I just covered fifty meters in ice. Now everyone takes a <laughs> everyone takes a wound, and everyone's agility score and strength score go down by my go down by minus one and if that's not happening all of a sudden we're all just completely burnt out because you sapped all our energy away so that you could heal one health um you you are an absolute menace and i love it (laughs) it's awesome oh you you've done you did more damage in that last uh session than any of the other enemies you are the biggest enemy to our group Uh, that's because I'm awesome. Oh yeah, you are very awesome. It's the best thing ever. Yeah, Powers of the Warp, man. Let's get that. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys got any other uh, systems you want to talk to on the pros for your Movenova? I don't know. Uh... Well, you know, I will say this for people who are hesitant. The origins of D&D. Let's go back to TSR days, right? It's a war game. Well, yes, but what, what I'm going with is, the, the funny thing is, Wizards of the Coast, they are pumping D&D, which is great. I mean, that's their, that's their cash cow, right? Yeah. But back in the day, TSR didn't have just D&D. They did D&D, and D&D became yep. popular, and they said, hey, people may want to play in space, so let's do Star Frontiers. Hey, people may want to play the old West, so let's play boot. Let's create Boot Hill. Yeah. And so, as a company, as a company, TSR kind of actively encouraged people to try out different genres and different systems because um, you could go and get different TSR games, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, why should somebody try a different game? Because D and D five E requires three books to play, and they're all at least fifty or sixty bucks a pop. Oh God, I know. I can pick up Savage Worlds for uh, I think maybe thirty tops. And as Scott said earlier, you can run anything you want with it at that point. Um, It's a much cheaper investment. So a lot of these other games you can get in for cheaper than you can for five E. So 
why economics? I mean, inflation is going high. So let's get out of D&D and let's get into a different game system that you can have a lot of fun with. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's the – well, go ahead. I was going to um, say, and they need, they need a new cash cow since they lost uh, the ability to, to make uh, Pokemon cards. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Magic still sells really well. If you yeah. look at all local gaming stores, there's really no, there's like a shelf full of some D and D books, and everything else is war gaming or you know Magic the Fucking Gathering. It's well, crazy. Not to get off topic here, but yeah, I was sure. actually watching. I was watching something on it. The reason why they tend to have a high, like they tend to have more products on the shelf and everything like that because it's just the amount of space you need for Magic the Gathering opposed to a full war game or even RPGs. It's like, well, you have this one RPG. It's taking up this amount of space. So, you know, we can only have X amount of RPGs out on the table on like on the shelves. Well, what about magic cards? It's like they take up like they're, it's the size of a deck of cards, except thinner. <laughs> like we don't, that doesn't take up any space. We don't give a shit throughout 10,000 different ones. We're fine with it. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Oh man. I don't know. Well, on the converse of that, that's probably, that's why a lot of people don't want to, change right because yeah. once you've bought all the books for D, that's a lot of goddamn money and, you know and some even with um even if you're not buying the physical products it's not like D beyond it's free yeah and but you know here's my thing i i don't play D 5e yeah um i've played maybe three or four games as a player and yet i own through either D beyond or Roll 20 <laughs> I own like Volos. I own the Monster Manual yeah. because they're great to crib information from and, and yeah. inspiration. And I can, I mean, the production work from the indie products, if it's Wizards of the Coast, that, that's the one that I'm familiar with. Their productions are usually pretty good. They've got pretty pictures. They've got great uh, paper. But I, I can go in and I can grab ideas and say, oh, that's a really cool looking monster. And it's got some really interesting powers. Let's port that over to Savage Worlds or let's port that over to some other game system. And then I can still have fun with it. And uh, as an example, I mean, I bought the Monster Manual on Roll20 because it was like 30 bucks and I have a ton of tokens. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Yeah, the Roll20 stuff is really cool. I I sit here and look at my shelf and I I have literally everything released from 5th edition, so. (laughs) <laughs> I talk a lot of shit, but I still have. Yeah, but for that reason, right? Because if I want to do Knowles and Savage Worlds, I'm going to go to uh, it's either Volos or Mordenkind, and I always forget which one or Xanthar. It doesn't really matter. But yeah. in there, they have these elaborate write-ups of Knowles, and you know, so I can go. Oh shit! Okay, cool. This is a good idea. Like you said, so for people who have D and D and you're hesitant, just remember you can still use your D and D stuff to still play another game system. I think you hit on the head kind of like the one thing is the buy-in for it. And it's true. Like the more expensive you make a product, if someone else gets you into it, the more you're unwilling to change. Like I don't play much of war games anymore. And it's because I've been essentially priced out of 40 K and that on top of that, the rules being launched and they're 90% of them are just janky as hell from the start or one factions now so overpowered that every other one is just completely useless but i'm i'm like oh i i, I picked up a few mostly just because i like painting models i'm like hey you guys want to try this they're like no and like once i asked i was like why don't you want to try it? he's like because i have so much buy-in with 40k i have like 
yeah. over thousands of dollars worth of stuff. Yeah. I can't go and switch right now. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do, right? And that's how those, that's how war gamers I've noticed are because where I play out on Mondays is a war game store. And I mean, those dudes are loyal. Oh, they're, <clears throat> they're crazy yeah. loyal. But they have to be. Mm hmm. Or else you would not spend 70 bucks on three Space Marine models. Right. Yeah. The prices are crazy. But mm. yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It really is. And I get it. You know, and then there are people who are loyal. And um, Finder mentioned it right at the very beginning. If you do play something not 5th edition D&D, your player base, your opportunity to find another game is just decreased tremendously. Oh, yeah. I used to scour to try and find a game, a PBTA game for the longest yeah. time. Or even like when I was interested in Fate, just because I kind of, uh, I bought the book and I just kind of discovered the system. And this was like probably like three years ago or so now already. Trying to find a game for Fate was pretty much impossible. It was either like on a Wednesday morning, which, yeah, or it was like Saturday for 12 hours. And I was like, I can't do either of those times. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm going to be super brutally honest and it may not make people very happy, but the games that, as you, I mean, DD has its own issues that are crazy shit with it now. But like, as you get into Fate and you get into Power by the Apocalypse, um, even the OSR has some issues. And so it's like, now you're drilling into a very specific system because it's so limited. You're also drilling into very specific personality types and you're going to see some weird shit yeah. out there or some dumb shit or some crazy shit, uh, you know, or mean spirited right on both sides of the spectrums. Um, and it's just like, I've, I don't have time for that. Can we just play the goddamn game? Yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, I, I know we just deflated our entire conversation about switching no, systems, but. and you know, but every system has that. And like, if yeah, I think if you're going to look at a game and say, yeah, but you know, like there's you know, there's some creeps in PBTA, or right, you know, there's this and that one, or there's like the old old battalion that believes that everything OSR is perfect, and everything if you mention anything else, you're you know, you're a horrible, disgusting right. rookie yeah. scrub. Like yeah. there, there's things like that in every single one. Like even Five E. Oh yeah, I, I would say it has. It's kind of funny because I think it has all those ones, but just like how the system itself, I'm and I'm saying this again, is kind of does everything to a moderate to mediocre success. Mm. All the people who are in all those other games are in that exact same one to a moderate to mediocre success, <laughs> to maybe even in that case, some of them to extremes. Cause I I'm pretty sure everyone's played with that weird pervy five E player or played with that power gamer that for some reason, like, especially if you're playing live when they're creating the character. Yeah. I rolled five eighteens for my <laughs> character stats and he is yeah. perfect. And you won't be doing anything because I will be murdering everything. Like those things exist yeah. in all Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, my biggest suggestion is if you have a group you play with, get together. And even if you got to throw your money together, just have someone buy the damn rule book for the, another system. Yeah. And then someone step up and volunteer. You know, it's just your group of friends you play with anyway. So mm -hmm. no one gives a shit if you're a good GM or not. You're all going to learn the system together. And that's the beauty of this. Um, it's going to be fun along the way. And you're like, oh man, we've totally been doing this mechanic wrong. Who cares, <laughs> right? I mean, just, it happens. Yeah. So, yeah. Who really reads the rule books anyways? It's just a very few app. people. I will yeah. tell you that. That was also, 
Yeah, there was a statistic they launched on that, and it was it's a known thing that most people do not read the play the uh, the rules, um, especially players. They just make their characters, and that's about it. That's definitely true. So, what are some systems to avoid? You you said that, and I'm kind of curious because I don't have too many where I would outright say, "Please avoid this system." No, and it's tough because there's like other things that you should definitely play, like Call of Cthulhu. Everyone should play Call of Cthulhu. Absolutely, yep. everyone should play Call of Cthulhu. Yep. Um, but yeah, like games to avoid. Oh man, I and I'm gonna harp on this one for the final time. You say D and D. I'm gonna say D and D, and it's not because, and I'm not saying this because <laughs> of you know the mechanics or anything like that. I just find it may, it kind of creates lazy lazy role players. Oh, they're coming at you. Yeah, I don't care. What oh, are they going to do? Matt Mercer is going to come at you. They're going to they don't have a critical role. Besides Matt Mercer, most of them don't have an imagination, so I've probably heard all their complaints. <laughs> Damn. This oh, is yeah. It. This I'm, is yeah. the episode. It's this not even my cancel. fault. This is the canceled one. I like it. <laughs> Yeah. I like it. But like I said, if you enjoy it, that's totally fine. I think if you're just playing a casual game where you're playing once a month or something like that, and you know, it's totally fine. I I just don't personally like it. Yeah. And I don't I'm, I'm li- I don't know. I I'm I'm looking at some games and I'm like <sighs> stay away from I don't know. I guess it's a strong statement, but like I just think it's a waste of time for some games to really get into them. Yeah. Well, and it really kind of, and it is not an easy question because something that we'd find very unappealing about a game, another group would absolutely love. Like uh, I was talking with this, this guy and he was mentioning like, while I was actually looking at uh, the hero system uh, and he was like, oh, yeah, I absolutely love it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, but I think I love it because I'm an engineer. Oh, that makes sense. I was like, oh, that makes sense. And, like, just because something appeals – does not appeal at all to some per- people, yeah. the other people will like it. Why? Because for, like, that guy, he liked look, he likes looking at numbers. He likes doing the math. He likes figuring out an efficient, like, you know, way to actually do things. And – for people like that, like all the power to you, I just and if you have a group of nerdy engineers, which uh, to be honest, I don't think is probably as hard as we're trying to make it out to seem. No, God, no, I I think you'll probably find a group that will love the exact same thing as you. Jesus, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think gaming is our experiences, so it's good to have as many experiences as possible. Oh, yeah. you always put something in your back pocket. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. Go ahead. You know, I also think that there may be an element to age as well. Uh, what I mean by that is as people, we grow and we evolve and our likes and dislikes change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I grew up playing first edition D&D. I played basic. I played expert. I played first edition advanced. I played second edition advanced. I played... Uh, I guess by 3E, it was no longer called Advanced. It was just 3E Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I I played all those, and I got bored with them. Um, 
I, the reason I don't think I'm getting bored with Savage Worlds is because we can play different settings all the time, and each setting can feel different. But as a player, I still find it fun to to play other systems and and to figure other things out. Um, if Scott were to say, "Hey, let's play Vampire the Masquerade," I'd say, "If you really want to," uh, <laughs> I, I can. but. I mean, I've played Vampire, and I had a lot of fun playing Vampire, but now the World of Darkness just does not appeal to me as a player. If my friends want to play it, I'll play because I don't want to be that guy. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure I would have fun playing it with with my friends, right? But that's not my go-to yeah. uh, thing. Although, like, White Wolf, so it's something against White Wolf because – they produce Trinity, which or Aeon Trinity, which is one of my favorite sci-fi games. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a lot of fun with that one. So it's just, uh, I, I think it has to do with subject material and the way that we potentially change. And uh, I mean, I don't eat hamburgers every day, so why would I want to play D and D every day? So. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, go ahead. That's, Sorry. No, I was just going to say that's that's really fair and. Um, actually one thing, I, I got a question for you guys because, um, you've been doing the RPG games a lot longer than me compared like the older systems compared to the newer ones. Would you say just from like, they're actually better plays or would you say that it really is kind of stayed the same? Because like anything, like before when, you know, RPGs were in their, you know, infancy, there was still a lot of things that people were trying to figure out compared to now, which is like, what, 30 years, 40 years, 30 years Mm -hmm. later, 40. Uh, First one was in what, 82 or something like that. No, 74. How dare you? 74. Come on. Hmm. The rookie. Ah, Sorry. (laughs) I am. I'm not, I'm not denying that. Okay. So (laughs) we're through the eighties when the satanic panic happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. The good times. Um, but yeah, so have you noticed a big difference in even the, just the quality of the play with RPGs over the years? What do you mean? Like, have you noticed like either like the rules have become a lot more like a lot better over the years has even just like the how the books read? Like, have you noticed a big difference in the quality of RPGs from the old ones compared to the new ones? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Mm-hmm. Um that's not to say that the OSR stuff is necessarily broken, but there are interesting things that people are doing to bring a different feel to the game. As yeah. an example, yeah, Deadlands Classic. Um, it was heavily vested in the poker paradigm, right? I mean, you've got the hucksters who use playing cards. Your initiative is playing cards. You generate your characters using playing cards. You've got poker chips that can do different things. Um, and a lot of that, as Scott was saying earlier, even with Savage Worlds, it evokes a feeling for that table. Um, old school D&D, there was no feeling that evoked. You're all sitting around with these polyhedral dice of different sorts and you're rolling them in, in different situations. And that's pretty much it. But now you have mechanics like, uh, so one of the things that Forbidden Lands bills itself as is, OSR with modern mechanics. And I can see that because there is a feeling of that old school D&D where things can be dangerous, 
but there are modern mechanics that allow you to potentially um, re-roll a failed roll in certain scenarios. And that re-roll may have no effect. It may have positive effect. It may have a negative effect, depending on what you're doing. And so there are um, modern mechanics that allow longevity of play to some degree. I mean, D&D, heck, you look at, uh, what is it, Tomb of Terrors or, or Tomb of Horrors or whatever it was. The, the old module, yeah. Yeah, the old, I mean, something Gary Gygax built to challenge his players, which really is nothing more than a death trap. <laughs> um, yeah. And so th- there, there are some new things that people are doing and interesting things. Like you guys were talking about L5R with the new dice and, and the impact that those dice may have on the L5R experience itself. Uh, you wouldn't have anything like that back in the old uh, D&D days. Yeah. Now, they were experimenting. So like I said, they had um, D&D. They also had Star Frontiers, which was a completely different rules mechanic. It wasn't D20-based like D&D is. Yeah. They had Boot Hill, which was the first percentile-based game that I'm familiar with. Uh, so there, there, there are hints of that old school stuff, but I still see that the modern rules, the, the, the way that we're playing games, um, is evolving. Uh, heck even, uh, was it last, uh, when we were talking with, uh, Russ, um, I want to say that we talked about how Dean or how video games are influencing RPGs nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, everything is better written. So, <clears throat> like, I have so I, I still own everything for D anD D from when I was a kid on up, right? So I still have all the first edition. I'll pick on first edition because that that edition is goddamn awful. <laughs> I know it has a nostalgia following, but when you break the book out and you actually are to go to make a character, you're jumping around even from your race, your class, to different sections in the class to try to figure things out. And then it has all these superfluous rules that people didn't ever really use. And so that's the thing is in the old days, we were already house ruling because the games were very limited and we needed them to do something different. And we had ease of play. And uh, I think that's where we're coming up. And that's why I think I get so frustrated when I still see games that are written from a very technical manual point of view. And, you know, there is a YouTube channel that I sometimes watch and that's the dude, he wants to write a game, but all he does is bitch and critique all these other systems. And I'm like, okay, bro, but you've produced all. So let me know when your system hits the market and how well you're selling with your adamant stance on using the, you know, and, and this is just is what it is, using a very technical writing style and using only a he pronoun, like good luck with all of that shit. You know, there's a reason that people write in a different style now, and it's not to pander. It's just because there's a whole different understanding of, of games and game theory and what you need. Um, like I said, reading something like Dungeon World is a completely vastly different experience than reading something like Savage Worlds. So That's interesting. I actually, yeah. I do have a second edition D&D book that I got. I think I got it at a flea market quite mm-hmm. a long time ago i've never really cracked the book like i took a quick glance but i never and i kind of just bought it for you know just to say i have it yeah um i might actually take a look at it because now i'm kind of interested to see how much has changed over the years yeah i mean quite um, a bit and you'll see how it was it's a very stilted writing style and even second edition yeah. um, but they were waking up to a few things and because like 
the transition between 1E and 2E, the Dragonlance setting book, actually taught them a lot of lessons. And some of the changes in the, in the rules themselves come from the Dragonlance first edition uh, book. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the, the funny thing is, I think uh, with 2E, they also started understanding how important artwork was. Yes, very much so. I mean, those old D&D books, the artwork was atrocious. Oh my God, we've lost all of our OSR listeners. How dare you? Even assaulted <laughs> some sketchy line arts and shit. Well, let's just start insulting all the systems. <laughs> er- Errol Otis. You're killing Errol Otis. I will say that when I was playing an old school... Uh, D&D version of Savage Worlds. Uh, I, I did it on Roll20. I created the character sheet to look like the old Moldvay yeah. uh, character sheet. And all of my monster tokens were the art out of the monster manual itself. Yes. So that it was all the old school crap. And oh, it's fun. I mean, it was a lot of fun to just go back and do all that stuff. But Are you talking shit about the red dragon on the front of the AD&D first edition monster manual? His, no, his, no, I'm talking about the interior art that was all line art, black that and dra- white. That dragon has a derpy ass look to his face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> I'm going through and like Beelzebul, his picture is stupid as shit. Well, Orcus, I mean, Orcus is like got this massive dad bod. What do you want Orcus to do? What do you? 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 What do you want? What do you want? I mean, they had they had the succubus in there. Very clever side boob, no nipples. Now the Marilith, she showed she showed full on nipples. So that's how you know, you know, type five demons get down. <laughs> yeah, Workus is like, you know what? Did I ever tell you about the time that I got the winning touchdown? <laughs> now that I'm looking at it. This is amazing. But no, you're not wrong. So what was it? I got this one question. It was actually one because I, I was talking with uh, the wifey who oh has boy. no idea. Like she, she's been listening to our things because I love her and okay. she loves me. So, you know, she'll put up with my ramblings with my friends. Oh, um, and she asked her, she's like, where would you actually like, let's say you want to, you know, play a game that is like Ocean's Eleven. Where would you find it? And Savage Worlds. No. Well, he, god damn it i'm gonna mute you too and like when she said that i was like you know what it's actually a fair point because a lot of people may not even know where to look for that kind of stuff right and because not like you know especially if you've just been playing 5e you may not know what's even out there and you may not think it exists or anything like that i'm not too sure uh but when she asked me that question i was like well you just google tabletop rpgs that are like oceans 11 and i, mean, I googled, yeah i googled it and i literally it was the fr- google itself had the answer i didn't even have to go into a page and i think if anyone wants a certain type of genre or anything like that <clears throat> just google games like x yeah. you know and you're gonna find an answer i want a game Absolutely. where you play at all as thieves you'll get the answer straight from that but at least that's a new way of finding it. I don't know if there was an old school way of figuring it out either. But so the old way was hard because you had to write into like Dungeon or, or Dragon Magazine or uh, White Dwarf, right? Um, yeah, it wasn't easy finding games. I mean, honestly, you played Dungeons and Dragons back in the day, and if you were savvy, you know, you may have had Star Frontiers or Boot Hill or Gangbusters. Yeah, uh, or Top Secret or Top or... Secret. Yeah, and it was just 
And even back then, honestly, this is going to be crazy. Even back then, most people still play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yes, but back then the hobby shops had a broader selection of games though too. That is true. That is but true. That is weird, right? I, I can't find that crap anymore. No. Like I, I go to a bookstore where they have game books and you have rows and rows of D&D. You may have a little bit of Pathfinder. You may have a little bit of Starfront or Starfinder or whatever it is. But yeah. you don't have the breadth that they used to have. Because I mean, yeah. I could go to the game store back in the day and I could find James Bond. I could find yeah. Spirit, I could find Blue Hill. Yeah. Uh, and they all had multiple supplements to them. Yeah. Yeah. And even like my local game store, the section that they have for actual tabletop RPGs, you could easily walk past. Oh, wow. And it's funny because they'll have, they have a whole thing for 5e right in front of the door, everything like that. And then it's like, oh, there's the 5e stuff. Where's the other stuff? And you have to actually walk around that one to the other side. And they have like maybe like a foot worth of shelf of just a few other RPGs. And mo- like part of it's like Pathfinder and other things. I'm just like, it, it's amazing how nowadays in stores, I guess it's because, you know, they want to sell stuff. Don't want a lot of stock sitting around. But you don't find rpgs out in the wild anymore like you used to here's what you've discovered though and and this this is maybe how we get people to try other games is other game systems are now the porn of the ttrpg (laughs) back when you had like blockbuster or video paradise where you had to go and rent vhs tapes they always had that back room yeah with the curtain you had to be 18 or older to get into um, and that's what you just described. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> just, good analogy. It's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, man. It's tough. It really is tough. But I mean, what's old is new and what went is still is. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to sit and think about. Like we had, I, we owned different games in, in late seventies and eighties and the nineties and the nineties, different story. I actually started, I, I stopped just playing Dungeons Dragons on purpose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even even as a kid, man, before I got you know even before I graduated high school, in the eighties, I was just like, oh, it's just D and D. And then I was like a D and D purist, and it was like, oh, if it's not D and D or doesn't say TSR, it's not shit. <laughs> <laughs> but see, even that though, yeah. Scott, th- there was TSR had a bunch of different. Heck, they had Gamma World. Yeah, I mean, I love Star Frontiers. I thought it was the coolest setting ever done. Oh, yeah, that was like the first game that I had that came with a map. Yeah, right? Yeah, that stupid city map and then all those tokens. And I just remember I was like, I can play a goddamn shmoo from Herculoids. I was like, this (laughs) is the coolest shit ever. (laughs) Like, what are you playing? Oh, I'm playing the shmoo. (laughs) Hands down. Yeah, you need to to look up a cartoon called the Herculoids. That was awesome. And you'll look for the shmoo. And that's an actual character species. (laughs) Actual species. Yes. Amazing. (laughs) That sounds fun. I have so much more. It's like playing a. It's, it's a living green slot. It's a living. It's hard to explain. You need to Google it. The schmoos are awesome. The schmoo. And they don't. <laughs> they don't really talk. See, that's the old people now. Yeah, man. I don't know. Maybe stay away from fourth edition D and D. Yeah. Be honest, with, be honest I, with yourself that you're playing a tactical board game. Yeah. Designed on World of Warcraft. Oh, I said it. Fight me. <laughs> Mike Merles. Mike Merles admitted in an interview. They purposefully designed 4E to attract the MMORPG crowd. Everyone denies it. 
It's written. It's in an article. He stated it. I have it. I have the PDF. It was after the failure of 4E. And yeah. Trying to figure out, you know, the new edition. And they had to admit that video games were stomping a mud hole in their dicks and they didn't know what to do. Yeah. And you know what? I, I got to give props to 5E. Like, they did... They did revitalize. Hell yeah! The, like, and I, I know I was saying all that stuff, and maybe I'm a little was a, I'll I'll say I was a little bit too harsh. Like I, I had fun <laughs> when I played Five E. I just thought it got repetitive after a while. It does. It does, and yeah. maybe I shouldn't say even that it makes lazy role players because it it the role player the person who's doing the role playing if they're really loving role play they will make it work no matter what. So. I'm going to rescind what I said before and actually say, you know what? Maybe I was wrong on that. 5e, it's a good system for getting into. I think they've just gone so overboard with everything and they've kind yeah. of almost taken away everything that is special about D&D and they've watered it all down through supplement after supplement after supplement to the point where it really, you could be playing any generic fantasy game and with any kind of yeah they did what they promised not to do yeah from the very beginning they said they didn't want to do what they were doing and then it's become a new book every month yeah although i will say the new unearth arcana pdf that came out was specifically for crin i used to actually i'm not gonna lie that i i downloaded it and giggled i was like this is so cool i used to actually like looking up at the unearth arcana because they did have some really interesting stuff on there and like I remember reading uh was the Volo's guide and I I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh I just thought now there seems to be a lot of stuff that it's there more to for them to make money because the last book that they came out is now not selling as much. So they're putting out another one so that people will start buying that stuff again. Like it just feels like they've commercialized it to the point well, where did. it's lost everything. They did. They had to. It blew up over the COVID lockdown restrictions and, you know, um, Critical Role. D&D exploded. There are people who talk about Dungeons & Dragons that I'm just like... Critical Role now has its own TV show. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. I'm telling you, so if... And that's the thing, is like, I I would run you guys through a 5th edition game. We we would have a really fun campaign. You would only use the core books because everything else would be all the fun shit you're going to find. So like all the cool spells or magic items from Xanthar's guide, you're not going to just have those or have access to them. But uh, that's the kind of stuff that like we were talking about earlier is their inspirations. And I like to put that shit in there. Like, Oh, you found this ancient scroll. Oh, let me guess the scroll of fireball. No, no bitch. It's something else. Right. It's a, it's a spell <laughs> you're not, you're not ready for. And it's like, Oh, okay, cool. This is really neat. And you get to add them slowly that way. I think the D and D campaign done that way would be perfect. But most people just say, yeah, people are like, oh, just whatever's on D&D Beyond, just make your characters and we'll go from there. Oh, okay, so now we got a, a goddamn, you know, uh, a lion mascot and an owl man and a Russian, a Russian tiefling slut, a turtle. I like the uh, turtle. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, no, no, I'm not doing this goddamn anthropomorphic yeah. nonsense. Just, you know, it's not, yeah. I just... How I don't care about PBTA sex moves is the same malaise that I have with all the extra shit in D&D now. Yeah. So I apologize for the audience for my heavy-handed things if you play 5e. But to be honest, I have a feeling that most of our audience probably doesn't play 5e. I probably all play 5e. 
Oh, probably don't. It's probably not their main system. I'm just kidding. Stay away from Cyberpunk 20, 2020. It's, it's a terrible, poorly written system. <laughs> it makes no sense, and the mechanics are fucking awful. But then, if someone it. wants a Cyberpunk game, where where should they go? You can, well, if you if you want Cyberpunk twenty twenty, a better version, you could use Cyberpunk Red, which is actually a better version of the game. Um, and if you wanted OSR, I guess you could pick up Neon Blood. And, or if you wanted <laughs> Savage the Worlds. Yeah, I can't. I know you're you're so bashful when it comes to. I'll say I'll say well for Savage Worlds I'd say uh, Interface Zero. That's only because Beyond Blood isn't there yet. That's right. The competition's not. It's I'm 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 writing up the page right now. (laughs) (laughs) The the conversion of Neon Blood to Savage Worlds is coming and it's pretty much done. So nice, awesome, and I'm checking it out. I managed to keep the drone and vehicle rules from Neon Blood. So if you're a gearhead you can still have options in Savage Worlds to make your vehicle and your drones and stuff. Will this be coming out on Kickstarter? Yeah, I think I'm going to kickstart it because the layout is going to be so expensive. Uh, yeah, in in fact, yeah, I got a note from, I got an email from dude right now, actually. Uh, You'll have to let that? me know if you want me to delete this part out. No, it's fine. You keep whatever you think. Anyway, we're just talking. But yeah, I don't know. I don't like Cyberpunk 2020. I'm sorry. I yeah. think the gun rolls are stupid as shit, and so is the rest of the game. It's good inspirational material. The setting is amazing. Yeah. But I just don't think it's all that. I yeah, I played it. <laughs> and this will but definitely you, be a two-part episode. It'd have to be. You know what you were saying, though, real quick? I know this is real quick, and I'm real quick on a real yeah, quick. Man. But we talked yeah. about the creating bad role-playing. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. It might be a whole other episode to do, but, like, in general, um, in general, I have had real rough experiences as a player at a table. If I'm going to conventions and stuff, most people I find are terrible role players. Yeah. And I, I think that's maybe it's because the bad role playing I've experienced has been with five E. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily like, cause I've had, there's definitely good role players out there in five E, but I think the thing is it's when you have such a mass population of people, joining into a thing like you're obviously gonna the qual the quality of the gamers may go down because they're not either used to it or because they're doing it because all their friends are doing it or they're simply doing it because they like the combat aspect but they don't really care about you know the story or anything like that and i don't know i i just think I think with role play, it's an undervalued skill on the table, and all it takes is one bad actor to really kind of sour the mood for the entire table. Yeah, well, we may need to define what we mean by by bad role player, though. <laughs> I don't consider myself a great role player. No, you're. Fine. I don't like doing voices. Um, I don't think voices I'm, are part of it. What was that? I don't think voices are part of it. <laughs> But see, for some people, that is. For some people, that's like what all role-playing is. And if you're not doing voices, you're not role-playing. Um, I I like to think that I am good at furthering the plot or adding fun to the to the game. But I don't know that I necessarily am a great role-player, if that makes sense. I, I don't know. I, I would disagree. Yeah, I would disagree too because I I don't think it's all about like the voices because like I can't do the voices either. I suck at accents, and that's why you'll never hear me do an accent on this. Um, <laughs> and I think it's more about how you approach the RPG and how you approach the table. 
Like if you are actively interacting with the world, if you are actively trying to communicate with the other players, if you're actively trying to make it the most fun possible, not just for yourself, but other people, you will become naturally a better role player because people will gravitate towards you. The reason why I, I gravitated towards you finder is because you were playing in a really fun way and you were talking about your character and what, and what my character would do. And he would jump out of that glass window and fall 500 feet. Potentially. These are the things that make you a good role player is the fact that you want to create the fun and don't care about just winning. And that's fair. I mean, I, I, that's, I think that's a lot of, uh, the fun about it. Um, but that, that's why I say sometimes I think we need to define what we mean by bad role players because role playing for other people that I have heard from is if you're, if you're not at a table where you're all getting into character and, and there's no outside, no metagaming and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, man, dude, for me, role playing is a social experience. Yeah. And yeah. I like to have fun. And, a lot of what I do in the game would piss a lot of people off. I mean, I had my paladin that wouldn't back down from that thing that clearly nobody else in the party wanted. And it led to a TPK. But it was right? fun. So does that make me a bad role player in that, in that situation? Maybe, <laughs> but I had fun. <laughs> and we had fun too. And like, mm-hmm. you're never going to like, you. not everyone's always going to be happy. Yeah. That's just something we have to accept. Uh, but you know, I don't know. Like, I think even saying like bad role players, like you, you just think of an actor and I, I don't know even if that's an appropriate term because we're not professional actors, but we're people who are trying to actively interact with the world that has been put in front of us in a way that contributes to the group. And I think that's the best way you could say with anything with role playing is, You're not just doing things for yourself. You're doing things for the group, for the world. And sometimes those don't always align. But at the end of the day, when a good story is created, nobody cares if the paladin killed the whole entire party because he was he was very bullish in his approach towards. Yeah, we I must go down there. And if you don't go, I'll go by myself. But we still talk. How long ago is that? A month and a half? We're still talking about that a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So is that a bad role play? No, we're still laughing about that. We've literally brought that up for every single episode probably since it happened because it was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess bad actor at the table. I don't know. Are we, are we really off topic now? Oh, we are so off topic, but don't worry. This is now going to be a... But anyway, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a, what makes a good role player. What makes a good player at the table? Good topic. Yeah, I and I, yeah, it, it definitely would, and it'll definitely be part of the part two. But anyways, I think I'll yeah, sure. probably wrap it up. Yeah. Well, RP people, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, do you have any suggestions for what system to change? Systems to change to? Let us know at rpsmartpeople at gmail.com or rpsmartpeople on Twitter. Uh, we're also debating on starting a discord just so that we can have a little bit more and better com- communication with you guys please let us know through either twitter or gmail if you'd lo- actually use this because we don't want to be just three guys in a room by ourselves 
Uh, we already do that on the regular. Uh, <laughs> and also, if any of our li- listeners are artists, we're still tr- we're trying to think of an official logo to go with. And if you either know how to design or you have any good ideas, hit us up on email uh, for email or Twitter. Um, and don't worry, I don't pay an exposure. You know, we'll actually work out something for that because exposure don't pay the bills. Um, but anyways, I hope you guys liked hearing from us all. Um, have a good week. And next week, if you haven't already guessed, you'll we have a guest on there named Russ from Salty Games. And yeah, he'll pretend to be smart like us. Have a good day and goodbye.